1: Buy what's going to be? Well, the, the interesting part about that is actually you buy either way. It's just are True. you buying for the present or are you buying for the future? And, and uh, um, yeah. Yeah. still working through that. And, and, you know, we've got players that uh, we believe have helped us win games this year. And um, we'd love to be able to add to this group. Uh, and, and we'll see where we go we'll see what, uh, what the market allows and, and where we can move this market in, in one direction or the other. Uh, but, but it is. I mean, that's, that's the interesting part about it is are you buying now or are you buying for the future? In a lot of cases, guys in expiring deals are, are, are kind of fodder you know, for, for talks or rumors or whatever you want to call it this time. You've had a lot of those guys, but they've also been hurt. You know, Valley and then Dickerson was out for a couple months. Does that hamstring you at this time of year? Well, it, it certainly doesn't add to value when a player's missed a significant amount of time, but uh, at the same time, they're pretty established veteran players, mm-hmm. and, and if they're able at, at the deadline and you're looking to buy for the future, then um, then they, they still have some level of value. Obviously, you want guys to, to perform extremely well, yeah. um, but if you have a large number of guys on expiring contracts that are performing pretty well, you're probably looking to add to that group <laughs> and, and not use it to add to your future. Yeah. Realistically,
0: this time of year... Every time you win a game, it's buy. Every time you lose a game, it's sell, right? Well,
1: externally, probably. (laughs) But
0: But that's what I'm asking you is really how much does the last two weeks of July affect anything that you're doing, that you're watching? I know you want your team to win.
1: Yeah, you always want to win, and, and you want to uh, you want to appreciate every chance that you get to be in a postseason run. Um, and and it's tough to make that decision essentially on July 31st. And and this year teams have to make it on July 31st. There's there's no more well we'll push into August, and and if we have a tough August or we or we don't win as much as we expect to in August, then then you always have that fallback. You, you get less in return, um, but you still have the ability to, to get something in return for expiring contracts. Now you're making a decision on July 31st. Are you? are you holding or, or are you adding to the future And um, it, it will make it a little bit interesting this year and then you look at the number of clubs in the National League that are, that are in some level of competition and if you're within two weeks of, of a good a good two weeks, it, it makes it an interesting uh, interesting dynamic. We always want to be long-term, Vision, but yet you want to respect that you're in a pennant race, even if you're on the outside looking in. How Have you seen those two factors—the one deadline and the tight NL field—especially sort of affect conversations, not just with you guys, but throughout the, the industry leading up to this deadline? Well, there are a number of clubs that are in that middle ground, where, where they're on the outside looking in, or they're just barely on the inside looking out, and um, there are a number of clubs that have asked about our wild card experience, and. and um, If they're trailing in the division a decent amount, how much do you go in for a wild card? Because you may catch the other team's ace, and at this point in time in the National League, you're lining up to get the Dodgers if if you win the wild card. And that's an interesting pathway. Um, The beautiful part about October is there is some randomness to it. I know Billy Bean got criticized heavily for that when he made that statement, but there is some randomness to it. And the number of times the wild card's won versus the number of times the the, the best team with the best record going into it has won. Um, And that's where, when you're in these spots, you you want want to do what you can to just get to October and hope that the randomness takes over if you're, if you're the last team, in. Is it less clear now who's a buyer, who's a seller, just based on some of those factors? It is, and, and, and again, there's a lot of external speculation about what every team that's in this situation is going to do or, or better yet should do. Um, and, and that's where we're going to continue to work to, to make what we believe to be the best decisions for the organization, and, and each organization is going to do that.
0: Sorry, is there like a, a protocol or or, or or do you, do players ever, this is more general, I guess, like text you and say, hey, are, are you considering or am I part of anything or would you admit it if you did or are you veteran guys more so or guys that have been through it before, do, are you more open to discuss with them whether, you know, or, or maybe ask
1: them if they be open
0: to it, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I, I, I haven't volunteered information. Um, the, the hard part is, is... is there's so much speculation out there that, that it would be impossible for me to chase down every single rumor and, and as i think i've admitted in the past there were a few situations where i probably should have uh, addressed the player um because wow. of, of uh, the rumors and, and but you, you can't chase down every single rumor and, and if you chase down only the false ones then the ones that you don't chase down get validated and, and so that's the hard part so um it, it is a tough time i i can't imagine what it would be like to be a player's son and to read that your dad may be traded because that's going to impact you, and, and that's that's real, and, and that's sometimes something that gets lost in the shuffle. Here, um, uh, we would be open with our players, um, but, but there's uh, there's a lot of unknown, and, and we've been in situations where we thought we were one phone call away from completing a trade, and, and it never got completed. Uh, there've been situations where we we made a phone call, we really just putting a toe in the water and it led to a a significant trade so um sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't so even the information that you'd want to give to a player until it's real it's hard to say that it's going to happen or not happen you know it seems like specifically that felipe is one of the guys that gets talked about the most or at the top of the list what are your feelings on the possibility of trading him not trade i mean i don't expect you to sit here and say you're going to trade him like how do you how do you look at that situation. Well, we certainly understand why why his name gets floated, um, he's one of the best relievers in baseball, um, we're sitting behind a handful of teams, um, there is a history of teams sitting behind a handful of teams being willing to trade uh, players and, and so it makes sense. Um, he, we also have four plus years of potential contribution from one of the best relievers in baseball. Um, it, you know, my job is to listen when, when someone makes the call, but it, we're not the one placing the, the calls to, to see what's out there. If somebody wants to explore anybody on our club, we have to. Back in the day, we, we had to explore on anybody, and, and it's no different. It, it's our job. Um, the, the rumor mill takes it where, where it takes it, um, but we always have to entertain ways to, to make this organization, and, and ideally this current club better, but sometimes you make the future clubs better. And, that. but we, we we fully anticipate Felipe will be closing the next playoff games that we're a part of
0: with the situation like that where a lot of people are saying, well it's easier to trade a closer because of value but does that take away like human element of what Felipe may mean to the clubhouse beyond being able to get a return for him.
1: Well, it, it, as we've experienced this year, you lose a lo- you lose a lead late. Those are painful. Um, it, for some reason, it feels different when you lose a lead in the second inning than when you lose it in the seventh, eighth, or ninth. And um, nobody's automatic, but he's pretty close. And, and to have that guy out there, and even when he does blow a save, he comes back out the next day ready to, to lock it down. And, and the ninth inning is is, is hard. And, and to have a guy uh, when you anticipate and expect and are working to win that's important. Um, if we were not in a situation we were expecting to lose 100 games next year, uh, then it's a different approach, but our expectation is to have uh, be right back in this. If we don't get there this year, to be right back in this next year, and, and to have a guy like that at the back end is, is really important.
0: You've had eight guys make their big league debut. I know, other than Brian Reynolds, who is really kind of, out of that eight kind of caught your eye, like, okay, wow, well, maybe I didn't, I didn't know this guy had this, or I didn't see this coming.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, you know, certainly Kevin Newman the the transition from last September to to this year is is a really encouraging one. It's hard to argue what Dario's done. I don't want to jinx him for today, but it's hard to argue with what he's done and and just how he stands out. His ability to execute pitches and he doesn't throw 97 and and he doesn't get the, the, you know Thunderous swing and miss up in the zone because it's velocity against power. He pitches and he mixes and matches and hits his spots. And that's been fun to watch. And a little little Trevor Williams ask, actually with more off speed than than Trevor does. Trevor does it with his fastball. And... um, we do. We've got a handful of guys here that we're encouraged about where they can go as we look forward. We get Chad Poole healthy. We get Edgar Santana healthy. We get Jamison Tyone healthy. We get Kella healthy in the short term. Um, there's some good additions to our pitching staff, be it this year or next. And, and uh, we get Mitch Keller uh, to turn a corner. We get Jonathan Brubaker healthy. There's some good arms that, that can solidify this pitching staff and this position player group. Uh, there, there's a good core in place. And I uh, need to get Gregory Polanco healthy. And, and, and obviously, that's been a, a bit of a challenge here lately. But we get him back. and. And uh, it's gonna be a fun group.
0: Do so you feel you guys have a I'm sorry. You feel you guys have a window for contention? Not only this but going forward for the next couple of years that kinda of what we're saying?
1: We do and, and we recognize that <clears throat> it's easy to poke a hole in that. Um but we also believe that we've got a good group of young players and uh, Talk about Josh Bell's breakout but there's a group of young players here that uh, that they go about it in the right way that, that uh, expect to win that wants to win that are driven to, to help their teammates be better um, and, and I've got to do uh, everything in my power and, and even though you can argue a better job of adding to that in some before what were some of the forces that led to all falling off the 40man over the winter and then what's it say about him not just to work his way back but to do what he's done since getting back really? Yeah, I, I take a deep sigh of relief that uh, that he cleared waivers, <laughs> and, and yeah. that's a part of the game. It, mm-hmm. is, is you do roll the dice on occasion with roster spots, and and, and we roll the dice that that. Um the elements that led to him being a candidate to come off the roster would, would allow him to likely clear waivers at that point in time, and, and he did. Um, he took it as a challenge, and, and he's answered the bell with with, uh, with ferocity and, and wants to show us that we made a mistake in taking him off the roster. He's not the first guy that, that has been taken off a major league roster um, and, and showing up. You guys show up in all-star games that have been out in the past and they cleared waivers and, and you look around the game and, and shoot Kirby Yates is, is one of the best relievers in our game and, and then he cleared waivers twice. Exactly. Um, you just scratch your head and you wonder okay what did we miss? Um, what did everybody else miss? Uh, and then what what what, did, what allowed this young man to come back and be successful, and how do we not uh, overlook that the next time? Has he ever spoken to anything but a whisper to you guys? <laughs> no, he he is a very quiet, very reserved man, but, but he's a competitive man, and he's going to go make pitches. You, know, you mentioned
0: that the ninth inning is harder. Um, every time the Pirates will blow a game in the seventh or eighth innings, your manager's going to get raked for not bringing in Felipe. And I know that's gone back and forth around baseball. Do you use your closer whenever you need or whatever? I don't know that I've ever asked you, but what is the organizational thinking on that? Is a closer a closer?
1: No, and that's that's where um, the Andrew Miller is the one that, that, right. that threw the industry on its ear. Well, because he worked. Because he worked, but they also had Cody Allen, who was a lockdown closer to pitch the ninth inning. So they could use Andrew Miller anywhere from the 6th, 7th, or 8th. They also had two or three other really good relievers. So they were they were able to use what would have traditionally been an 8th-inning setup man in the 6th, 7th, or 8th. Or should I think Terry even use them in the 4th or 5th sometimes in the postseason? Now, the postseason is a different animal because of all the off days, um, but we want our best pitchers pitching in the most crucial situations. The challenge is sometimes that comes in the sixth, but it may come again in the eighth, and it may come again in the ninth, and, and that's, that's the hardest part. We, we experienced a game where, unfortunately, we, we fought our way back and lost, but a five-run lead, managers get criticized for using their best relievers with a five-run lead. You lose one of those. Those are devastating, and, and so it's you don't want to be risk-averse. You want to use your best relievers the most important parts of the game, but it's not as easy as saying, well, it might be the seventh inning because it might, might again be the ninth, or uh, that, that middle of the lineup may come back around in the ninth inning. So it's not just a matter
0: of, well, Felipe can only, he has it set in his head that he can only pitch the ninth inning. No,
1: and and Felipe's been very willing to to, to come out in the eighth. And and, uh, when we had Kella and Crick and and those guys rolling, we had conversations about if if there was a a, a club that stacked their left-handers and it was the seventh inning with Kella and Crick and throwing the way they were, go get Felipe. And Felipe was completely willing to do that. Uh, The challenge is uh, we don't have Cody Allen to back up uh, Andrew Miller at this point in time.
0: How much would Keone Keller add if you're able to get him back on Monday?
1: Well, it, it certainly would help us protect those late leads um, because not only does does Keone um, himself add, but now it allows you to, to, to deploy your other relievers uh, in, in different situations than, than, than we've had to deploy them. and um, It just gives you depth and volume. You don't have to, to use your leverage or labors as frequently if you've got one more of them or if you've got two more of them. So if he's healthy and, and he's throwing the ball the way it looks like he's throwing the ball, he, he could be a, a very nice add.
0: What's, what's going on with Cal
1: Um Uh, We've talked about it repeatedly that that if you look at the the best 50 relievers in baseball last year, 60% of them are going to be different this year. It's really hard to be a good leverage reliever in baseball, and Kyle's going through that. The league's made some adjustments to him. He's working to make some adjustments back. You still see the slider. You still see the velocity. Um, Hitters have a a better plan against him this year, and and now it's up to him and us to help him make that next adjustment to to, to get those weapons to play at an elite level again time Keone went out in rehab, he said he didn't feel like he had his stuff back. Were the reports from from this assignment that he was back mid-90s? Yeah, reports where the breaking ball had bite and and was sharp and late um, and had dive to it and the fastball loss it was mid-90s and and it's not the upper 90s that we've seen from Keone at times, but uh, it had life to it, it had action to it, it had carry through the strike zone, so uh, very positive when we get to that point to activate him, obviously we'll, we'll see how it plays at the major league level, but a different guy this time you know, maybe I missed this and I'm sorry if I did, but Lonnie Chisholm rehabbing at home. Other guys are out for the year or out for extended periods, they're back at the club. Why is it the best option for him to be at home? And is there any optimism at this point that he'll be back at the major of the club? Yeah, um, Lonnie's had a tough year and, and, and broken hand at the end of spring training. And then while he was rehabbing the broken hand, the, the calves popped back up again and, and he's continued to have some discomfort in the calves. and. Um, you know it's a situation we've walked through with him that that what's best uh, if it were a tommy john surgery or a shoulder surgery or an intricate rehabilitation you'd absolutely want the player uh, either at your spring training affiliate or or, um, or with your major league club this is calves it's more rest than than and some some elements of rehab but it's not an intricate rehab so we've uh, uh, we've supported him being at home during this time and and we'll I guess we're remaining somewhat optimistic, um, but the hard part is we've had some guys really step in and, and do some nice work, and um, you know, Lonnie's going to have to get healthy first and foremost, and we're still still fighting that battle. Where are we at on Jamison? Working through his throwing progression, um, trying to see how that goes, and, and really just really reacting to how he feels each time he takes the ball. You know, just going back to the deadline. Real quick. How different is the landscape and and protocol without the non-waiver option? And that this is just going to end period. I think we're all learning. We're, we're all working through that. We're all anticipating just how different it will be. I think that the number of teams that are competitive in the National League is having as much impact as, as one deadline. Um, the bigger market teams always have the ability to wait and, and just pluck contracts that that were uh, being put through trade waivers in, in August or clear trade waivers, and they could take the money. Um, that won't happen this year. So your depth moves have to take place on July 31st. I, I think uh, Chicago. Uh, with the uh, the Montgomery-Maldonado trade, that articulated that, that they wanted to add a third quality catcher, and they had the opportunity to do that, so you'll, you'll see more of that. Um, July 31st could be a really interesting day because uh, the energy and effort is still primarily on the bigger names, and are they available, first and foremost, uh, and, and then what's the acquisition cost? Um, but on July 30th, 30, July 31st, those teams are looking to add some depth players. They're going to have to make those moves on, on July 31st. The interesting part about it is even guys that are the guys who are on a major league contract at any point this year can't be moved after July 31st. So um, there, there's a whole another class of players that have been outrighted that can't be moved on July 31st. So it will be interesting, and it will change the dynamic, and, and uh, we'll hopefully be out front of it and and, and be prepared. Uh, but we'll also learn some lessons on, on August 1st and beyond in our review process. What
0: have you identified as needs?
1: <laughs> really upgrades and, and um, you know adding a Keone Kella helps helps the back end that, that's been a bit challenged. Um, we can always find uh, ways that, to, to add to our adapter or to 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 add a Kella that, that pushes somebody back into a into a, a, a more comfortable role. Sure.